Taboo Doctor is an information sharing podcast only and does not constitute directive or personalized healthcare or mental health advice. Hello health champions and welcome back to another episode of Taboo Doctor. It's me. And if people could just see that, then I think mental health will become a conversation. Another aspect to that that I think, especially from the African perspective is, we think of things, we, there's a, there's a dual nature to our thinking. It's like either good or bad. And I think we have that it's either physical or spiritual. Mm. So if something is physical, you can see it. If you can't see it, it's spiritual. And how do we deal with spiritual stuff? We go to the pastor and we pray. That's it. So if I'm feeling down, I call my pastor and he prays for me. And he tells me, pull through, push on, keep doing it. Keep, you know, there's almost a, a suggestion that more of self-will more of determination will get you through. And I think people are just pushing through. And, and, and this, is, this is bigger than it sounds. People just pushing through. They're just trying to get through the day. And that's, that's where that word surviving comes from. It's like, I'm just trying to get through today. I'm just trying to move through so that I can finish my day and, and get to bed and, and just just lie down and sleep and wake up the next morning and it's like it's it's a grind all over again mm. um just just a quick example i, I want to put out here i had a patient once who lived i don't know if you know lagos very well he lived somewhere around let's just say he lived about four hours from work and i was like you wake up at 4 a.m. to get to your job at 9 a.m. And when you close at 5, you get home at almost 10, 11 at night. And I'm like, he's like, that's what I can afford. And I was like, no, that's not what you can afford. Because I had had a lot of conversations with him. But the idea was the kind of house I want to live in. This is where I can afford it. The kind of car I want to drive. If I so if I make certain sacrifices, I need to perform. I need to look. I need to for the level of my job that I am at. I need to be at a certain place. I don't want people to see me and and I was just I was just looking at it. I was like, oh my god, because this guy could have lived ten minutes away from work, spent more time with his family, with his wife, had a more fulfilled life. In my view. Um, but he was just so, again, that, you know, we have to perform, we have to measure up. You see that in, so, so it, it speaks to, I think, depending on who you are, it just speaks to various areas of our lives. Yeah. You know, and that, that story that you just shared, it's so relatable to so many people who have visited Lagos or been, you know, been to Lagos. And I'm sure it's probably a mainland versus island kind of story. That is correct. And, um, and you know, it, it really ties in with our topic for today, because I think that our society has socialized men to believe that they need to have this, like you said, performative stance in society where they are portraying themselves to be a certain way and they don't then care for their physical health or their mental health. So, you know, this, this gentleman who is putting such toil on his body, but thinks it doesn't matter but that is actually going to affect his physical health. It's going to affect his mental health. And if he had take, you know, if he takes more 
you know, strategic steps to actually care for himself, then his lifelong longevity, the reduction of stress levels, the reduction of cortisol levels, the reduction of inflammation, um, inflammative processes in his body, the list is endless of the kind of pathology that he could potentially avoid. So talk to us about how society has socialized men into not prioritizing themselves as valuable. Okay, so I'm going to articulate this in a way that I think is going to be offensive, but I'm just going to put a caveat out there first, okay? Okay. When we have this conversation, I would like anyone listening to not think about this as a blame conversation. Mm -hmm. I want to think about things in terms of cause and effect. Okay. So, if one thing is happening... We are saying that it is most likely that this other thing will happen. It doesn't mean that one thing is to blame for the other thing happening. Mm. From my understanding, I think that religion is society. And, you know, when you look at the history of the world and how the British colonized, <laughs> I want to say 90% of the world, there's a lot of societal values today that come from religious, and by religious, I would say Christian values. Mm. What am I speaking to? When you tell a man that he is the head of the home, I think that people don't understand how, how defining that can be because how do you as a doctor tell people that you were sick and you didn't know what to do about it there's an expectation that you should be able to help yourself you should know what to do and the Bible literally compares the man to Jesus and says, you are the head of the home. Like Christ is the head of the church. And again, again, I, you know, these things are humbling when I think about them because I don't think people really understand. You know, people is like, no, that's not, the Bible didn't mean that he shouldn't take, take care of his mental health. I'm not saying that that's what the Bible said. I'm telling you that I think there's a huge sense of responsibility on that man to take care of everyone else. You see, he cannot be weak. And, and you know, I talked about the doctor. Think about the general in the army. What happens when the general runs away from battle and says, this isn't my fight? Yeah. What do you expect to happen to the rest of the people? What happens if the pilot of a ship or a plane on the speaker, you're, 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 you're in, the, in the aircraft and then there's turbulence and you hear the pilot just say, hey, oh my God, what is going on here? I'm not so... How is everyone going to feel? There's a responsibility on him to perform. So you would hear pilots say things like, I was scared, I was afraid, but you know, I couldn't show it. I had to perform. I had to step into the room. I had to be a leader. I had to show courage. I had to show strength. If you ask me, 
I think that that's where the man's problems began. And there's a sense that he cannot be weak. A typical example of that is I was talking with someone the other day and the person was saying I hate it when men wear women clothes on Halloween. And I said, I get that. I understand where you're coming from. But I wonder if you understand that that is simply because you see women as weak. He said, no, that's not it. I said, okay, are you okay with a man wearing Captain America? He said, yeah, of course. I said, but you're not Captain America though. You do realize that Captain America is a character. And that is, you're a man, but you find it problematic to wear female clothing because somehow it says something about you. Okay, what does being wearing Captain America say about you? What does it say? It says you're strong. It says you're, you're, you're macho. It says you're, you know, you're... So you, you can see a man wear almost anything. But once they see a man, and I'm not saying that any man should dress as a woman. That's not the conversation. The conversation is, why does it, you don't even know why it makes you feel weird. You don't even know why it makes you feel bad. It's just from the inside. It's like, no, look at that one. So, of course, when a man cries, we have a problem with it. Why? Why do you find it comfortable for a woman to cry and you're comfortable when your man cries, when your brother cries? You can't hold him. How do we feel when we see men hugging each other? I told my brother the other day, I said, I love you, bro. <laughs> he didn't reply. I said, I love you. He said, bros, this all he did too. You know, it, it was like, it's weird. But I can, I can tell girls, I love them. Girls can say, I love you. There's no, there's a, there's, there's a need. There's a deep seated need to not be associated with anything that even remotely resembles weakness so of course when we're talking mental health i mean think about it i i i wear braces today okay uh for my knees and that's because when i came some of the jobs that i got needed me to stand and walk for long periods of time but even though i knew i was in pain I kept going because I said to myself, what would they say about me? I'm thinking about these things long after the fact. I'm asking myself, why didn't you stop? You knew that you were in pain, but I couldn't disappoint my family. I assure you, my wife, if she's cooking in the kitchen and her leg, babe, come on, please come and take over here. I can't do this thing anymore. And she'll go and sit down because she doesn't feel, she, she's okay with being weak. For me to support her she's okay with needing support she's okay with needing help how many men have we heard about that lost their jobs and for six months they wouldn't tell their wives anything why do you think so i don't want to look weak meanwhile the woman i don't know i've never heard maybe it's happened you know there's always exceptions to the rule but how many women will lose their jobs and not come home and be like babe i lost my job today like you know like or even call him immediately because we do not want to be weak. So when we're talking about men, so if you, if you can imagine with physical health, when he's having surgery and he's done with the surgery, he's going to be painful. He's like, mm, yeah. Mm. Because if he says, ah, they say, ah. Why, 
mean, man? Man up. So he can't cry. He can't show pain. He can't be weak. He, he, he can't be unhappy. He can't be depressed. He can't have anxiety. Because if he does, he's weak. If he needs help, he's weak. How many couples have I had that the woman has literally had to drag the man? Every time I see a couple, I always ask them, so, how did you guys get here? The man will just look at the woman. I'm here because of her. Because him seeking out help makes him look weak. Him, say, let's go for couples, what? What, what does that man know? That I, if it's even a woman, ah, she wants to help me in my own mind. What does she know? I am meant to be the head. But again, these are not conscious thoughts. He just knows that he is not comfortable. He's not okay with doing that, with being weak. And I think that that is where society, and again, I, I, I really, I really want to emphasize that religious part because I think that when we understand the source of something, we can begin to deconstruct. Mm. We can begin to say, what is going on here? Can we, can we, um, can we see how this is affecting us? Can we, can we make changes? Can we maybe begin to give our men a different message, you know, to say, Hey, look, you know, but yeah, that's, this yeah. is a whole huge topic. Yeah. It, it really is. Cause you've, you've, you know, you've hit on so many important points about how religion affects the way we see ourselves and the way we position ourselves in society and in the roles that we have. And you also talked about, you know, a man's response to his own physical pain and also how he responds to emotional pain and stress because he believes that his partner is expecting things from him that his partner may not be expecting at all. Um, and those those burdens have not necessarily been put on him by his partner. Some partners might put that on him, but it might actually be more of a societal pressure, especially if his partner is a reasonable person who would want to share the burdens, the burdens with, you know, with, with him in, in that situation. And so, you know, you've said a lot that will affect the sensibilities of some people because once we start questioning the way we address religion and the way we interact with religion, people don't like it. Many people uh, shut down. Yes. Once you, once, you, once you say it, there are people who don't listen anymore. And, and look, they will be there, okay? They will be there physically in that conversation. But everything you say after that... Mm -hmm mentally they're gone yeah yeah but it's so important for us to question the way we think and why we think the way we think because if we don't then we're just living out a script that someone else has written for us and you know and you don't then know if that script is detrimental to you as a human being because you are a unique person and the person that wrote that script is not you so it's really about analyzing this and saying i can take this part and i, I won't take this part so when someone questions you about why do you believe the way you believe you should be able to give them an answer <laughs> and uh, and i think that is extremely important to us saying that we are rational thinking critical thinking human beings let's emphasize that again please when someone is asking you i feel like what you just said is really important so mm -hmm. let's just say it again because it was part of a long thing <laughs> when someone asks you why are you doing something it's it's not an attack 
Mm. It's not a blame game. You know, I, and you know, as Africans, we experience this a lot because of how we grew up. I mean, I was just, I was talking the other day with my wife, how it's just so rampant. You know, you, when you're, you're, anything happens to you, people, I was, I, I made a video about this that I'm going to post soon. If you have an accident at 8 a.m., there are people that would ask you, why didn't you leave the house at 7 a.m.? It's so interesting. Like, there are just people that are looking to blame. So, sometimes when you question someone, I say, why do you believe in this? It almost comes like, are you trying to blame me for believing it? You know, so they get so defensive. But I just want to say, if someone says, why do you believe? Even if you might get defensive in a moment, when you go back home, like, we really should begin to question things. This is so important. Just, just ask yourself, why? why you know and yeah i just wanted to emphasize that yeah yeah it's, it's really so important and so now talking about you know so men who have found themselves in that in this society brought up in this societal structure um are have put these burdens on themselves because of the way they perceive themselves in society what are the manifestations of mental health illness in in men which might not necessarily be so clear to people around them or it might just be in a trait that they say men are men um but that might actually be concealing mental health illnesses because sometimes you know women will call them their friends up and say you know i'm really really feeling tired today i'm struggling today and their friend might not need to say anything they just be there on the phone in silence and that has become a safe space for them but sometimes men are not necessarily able to articulate how they're feeling with words so what what are the other signs um, and sorts of sort of features of mental health illness in men? Okay, so um, I think that men would experience the general signs of anxiety and depression, mm. and you know most mental health uh, challenges. Um, what I would really like to focus on is how I think some of these things can manifest, especially from the black male perspective. Um, I think that one of the things that you can find is someone who gets really angry a lot. Um, and again, anger has a certain strength to it, a certain perceived strength that I think many men would turn to when they are feeling this way to kind of compensate for that perception of weakness that they have inside of them so what i find is that a lot of men um and some women would would really just get angry all the time aggressive um you know dominant and 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 just 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 trying to in i think a bit to gain control of what is going on inside of them there's a sense that if they can control what is outside there's a sense that they can put everything in order the way they imagine it to be, then that kind of gives them a, a, a pseudo control. Another thing that I think I've noticed is addictions. Um, addiction to sex, addiction to alcohol, addiction to porn. Um, these things can sometimes serve as an outlet to ignore what is going on and again if we kind of translate this to physical stuff you, you know whenever you have something that gets your adrenaline pumping there's a tendency for you to we've had people in battle who were shot and they didn't even realize they were shot they kept fighting and then when they were done it's like well, wait a minute you know 
and sometimes I think when when we go through our days too, you might be so busy. Then later on, you find a cut on your skin, and it's painful. And you're like, "But how come I didn't even know when this thing happened?" So I think that a lot of them are, you know, it's it's addictions to all of these things, and and I see this a lot, you know, especially sexual addictions. Some of these people, they're married, they're in relationships, they don't know what's happening, they really want to change, but because they're seeking help in the wrong places, you know, the wrong places it never really comes and they keep falling back into those cycles and they don't understand why, you know, it's like how many people have we seen who are truly sorry in the moment, but it's like, boom, they're back again. They're back again. They're back again. And the third thing for me is that many of these men just keep busy. Now, this is a huge one business here, business there. You've made millions of dollars. I, I remember meeting someone the other day here in Canada. That's so rich. And it, it was so interesting, like so rich. I'm talking the, the, the kind of money he was mentioning, right? I was just thinking to myself, if I had that, I would just be going on vacations with my family because the business was, uh, what's it called now? A business that runs itself. You know, it was, it was, um, I don't know what, what, what they call it in the business world, but it could run itself. And, but no, he just needed to be out there. And he was telling me, he said, my wife, she's always begging me to stay, but you know, I have to be on the move. I can't just sit down one place. And I was just hearing all of that. And I'm like, yep, yep, yep. Can't sit one place. And I, I see, I see that, you know, because he said, when I sit, I've had people tell me when I sit home, I, I remember one of my friends used to tell me when her father stays home for a while, he gets sick. Of course he would get sick because you see, there's so much going in, going on inside. That if you're not out there keeping busy, if you're not being distracted by the world, and so that's why they close from work. If you don't have anything else to do, they go to the beer parlor. They want to sit down. They just, they have to be, the engine has to keep going because whenever they sit down to reflect, to rest, those feelings begin to come up. And obviously they can't even recognize it. They don't know that that's what it is. So I guess for me, you know, I don't even like to talk about anxiety, depression. I want to say, when you sit still, when you sit still in a quiet room, just, just try it out. Sit still in a quiet room and think about your life. How do you feel? If you don't feel amazing, then it means there's something. Now, don't get me wrong. There's something doesn't always mean there's a problem. Mm -hmm. something means there is something that's all it means and that means that that something can be addressed so yes maybe you haven't paid your child's school fees that is something right it doesn't mean maybe you're trying to work to make some money but you can see how that is moving in a direction but if there's something for you and you just can't place a finger on it because many times people sit in front of me and it's like they're having all this i don't even know i just don't do you ever feel this way? Do you ever feel? Yes. Yes. Now it's like you're putting words to it. And it's like, yes. So I would say, if you just feel like I'm not okay, because your body would tell you it's, you know, our, our, our mental health is like our physical health. It will tell you, you will know where there's something wrong, you know? And I think another way that it can also manifest is with headaches. Mm. I think headaches are huge. You know, some people talk about migraines. 
um, severe, severe. They have to be out there popping the pills or they have to be out there taking alcohol. They have to be out there doing all these things just again to take that pain away. And I would just say maybe it's those three or four things that I would say I have observed personally in the black community that I think if you are experiencing any of this, if you find that you're always very angry, you know, just angry and you're always, you, 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 there's a tendency to want to hit people, to hit things. I would say, look into that. You know, if you find that you have these addictions, things that, you know, once you're free, once you're not busy, it's like your mind just travels there immediately because you need to keep keeping busy or you need to distract yourself then that would be something to look into. And if you find that you always want to work, you always want to be on the move because if you're still, again, that feels uncomfortable for you, that might be something to look into. And uh, what was the final one? I think it's just the headaches. Yeah, headaches are a huge, huge thing. And I think that's also a symptom that I think a lot of women experience too. Yeah. yeah. And you know, it's really interesting that the first thing you said was anger. Um, because, you know, anger is, is really a manifestation of, you know, there's something going on on the inside of you that you've not maybe necessarily come to terms with. You're feeling a lot and you're not necessarily able to articulate how you're feeling, why you're feeling it. And so anger is a manifestation of a lot more going on. And so we, we then label somebody as angry without actually understanding that there is quite a lot to unpack. But also in the, you know, sort of black man household context, centuries men have sort of been this lion of the tribe of your house type of thing where daddy's home everybody should go and sit down and look good and sit at the dining table make sure everything is nice and clean someone should go pick up his briefcase and make him feel like oh everything is nice and perfect everyone is tiptoeing around him this is how our moms i think displayed more anger but that's just because we were free with them for many of us we were free to display and talk back and for our for many of us our dads were tattooing because we knew mm. we knew you don't want to unleash the dragon mm. you just you just don't want to there was that fear i think around them and, and many people actually relate to this so it's huge yeah 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 i think you know that is quite that is quite a big thread that you know sort of connects quite a lot of people in sort of in, in a lot of black households all around the world so how do we then start exploring this and saying okay this thing that we've said is normal is actually rather traumatic because why should a two-year-old or a three-year-old be afraid that their dad is coming back home from work that is trauma and so in as much as they might then become adults who have cordial relationship with their parents they still have this thing within them that prevents them from having open open relationships with their parents and then also probably affects their future relationships with partners or members of the opposite sex um so it's i can see you moving you know <laughs> it's, it's like a cascade of all of this mm. it's just like a cascade of you know it's like the dominoes are just falling like one thing just goes wrong and everything just crashes and I don't know, man. Like, um, oh, it's heartbreaking. It's yeah. truly heartbreaking. It's, it's a lot to, it's one of those things that when your eyes are open to, it's almost a burden that you carry because it's yeah. like, you're just seeing so many things and you know, these people seem happy. They, they seem established. They seem, you know, I worked in a hospital in Nigeria, a private hospital where we used to have a lot of, you know, wealthy patients and, 
you know, I would see people really struggle, just really struggle. And it's it's huge. So that's <laughs> that's why I was shaking my head because if you want to talk about where it leads to or the kind of things that it can lead to, that's just a never ending list. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. a never ending list. Mm, mm. And so how do we then start exploring that? Or maybe we might not be able to do that for generations before us, but for, you know, Gen Z, you know, millennials, how do we then start exploring to say, okay, well, this feeling that you're feeling is anger. Let's learn how to articulate it and let's start trying to explore it as opposed to just saying your anger is bad. Why don't we try to name the feeling that you're experiencing? How do we start encouraging men to articulate what is going on in their minds? So, we, you and I, we come from a collectivist culture. Um, we live in a Western culture that is very individualist. Hmm. I find that there's benefits, I think, from my perspective to the individualist culture and the collectivist one. What I do like about the collectivist one is that we are a community. Mm. I think that even as even though we want to take responsibility for ourselves, for our behavior, I also think that we need our community. We need to help each other. You know, I I am someone who has imagined building a community of people who are just like-minded, who can support each other. You know, not a church, um, just a space where we can have really deep conversations and just be a part of something that's bigger than ourselves. And the reason I say that is because our conditioning is affecting, it's, it's affecting all of us. What do I mean by that? There's the, 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 the thing that tells the man that he's a macho man also told the woman that the man is a macho man. So, <laughs> even when you find a man who's trying not to be macho, there's a woman out there who's saying, you, you, you're, you're, uh, you know, the, the, the word, you're, you're weak, you're all of that. Interestingly, I have had, I went to a movie with a girl once when I was in med school and I cried at the movie. I still remember that movie, Seven Pounds. Um, I don't know if you've seen it, the Will Smith one. Um, it's oh, really moving. Yeah. It, was, it moved me, you know, like he, he, he just sacrificed himself. And I remember that girl, she never wanted to go on a date with me. Like, what is wrong with you crying at a movie? I also remember um, going on a date with someone and she wanted to drink alcohol. I mean, I do take alcohol now sometimes. But then, you know, I was just like, nah, I'm not going to take alcohol. So I didn't want to take alcohol. I, I took juice or something. And that was the last date. For some reason, I, you know, there's a... So I, all I'm trying to say is, you know, there's this idea that maybe a man goes out, he takes a lot of alcohol, he can handle himself, his drink, he can... There's our definition, and I know you, you, you kind of alluded to this when you talked about um, toxic masculinity, right? Because... All I'm trying to say here is before I lose myself because this can go anywhere is that this is a collective job because check out the connections. You are here now. You will have a son. You will teach him stuff. Oh, I don't know if you have kids. Um, you know, there's, there's that connection of there's, 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 there's a man out there. He has a kid now. He, as he is trying to be vulnerable 
because we're saying, look, you can be human, you can be vulnerable. There's the desire that he will not be rejected by his community. Because, you know, one of the, that's why I said, that's why I brought out the individualistic and collectivist culture, because it's easy for this part of the world to say, be yourself and don't care what anyone thinks about you. But that's not the way we're raised. I mean, I don't necessarily want my people to not talk to me because of who I've decided to become. You know what I mean? Like our families are important to us and we're not going to do this. So I guess what I'm saying is maybe we can have more of a communal approach to it. We can all begin to change our view and begin to see each other as human. Let's just realize that the man is a human being and understand that whether he displays those emotions or not, he feels them. I mean, there is, as a woman, the full range of emotions that you feel, this man feels them too. This is just the truth. But the question is, does he show it? Does he think it's okay to show it? Does he think it's okay to display it? Because if we don't have that conversation, then having a conversation about seeking help is just, it's, it's just, it's mute because we really need to begin to see the human. And, you know, honestly, we all face those struggles. I think the sexes in different forms. Um, and the idea is really to come out of that performative, performative, space so that we can really begin to see because i like thinking about people as human because when you do that then you begin to think of human attributes and and then you know it's so interesting because when you get into a relationship with someone if you're not thinking is he rich is he comfortable is it this is it that is she this is she that does she have a good job you're not thinking that you're thinking are they decent are they honest do they have integrity? Are they disciplined? Are they kind? You know, are they are they able to have conversations without screaming? Without once you're having once you're looking at the human attributes, there are there, there are human attributes that once you see in a human being, you don't have to worry about their job or the kind of work they do or the kind of you know, because the human being is the one doing those jobs. And that human being would be a great husband. That human being would be a great wife, a great sister, a great brother, a great friend, a great father. The human being. And, and that's one of the things that blows my mind when we talk about leadership in the country, in the world. You know, um, the conversation about all oh, the police in Nigeria. And, you know, someone made a post the other day. Two girls were accused of doing something and Nigerians burnt them on the spot. And we're, we're crying NSARS as if NSARS is the problem. It's the people that are in the SARS force. Those people that burnt people at the spot, are those not the future SARS employees that will still go back into that system and, and, and do the exact same thing? I think not the same people that will get into those leadership positions. So, again, I think we just really need to come down and see ourselves as human, which is a really tall task. Um, it's it's not going to be easy, but I think that, you know, with spaces like yours, spaces like mine, we're having these conversations. I, I see a lot of people, you know, resonating because some people, 
they sit down. I, I get men who send messages to me and they're like, you know, it's like I've always felt this way, but I just couldn't, I couldn't say anything about it. I couldn't, I couldn't do anything about it. And then now it's like, oh, thank you for validating me. Thank you. Because I, so there's people that feel that out there. And I think, you know, it's obviously going to take time. It's going to be a generational thing, you know, maybe three, four generations down the line before some of these things can be truly, the effects can be truly seen. So I think where we can start is by being human, by seeing each other as human. And I know it sounds simplistic, but honestly, um, if, if you have a man and he lost his job, you know, you're not pushing him out there and saying, go get another job. And you're asking him, how does it feel? You know, it's okay. I'm here to support you. Yeah. And the man also, you know, finding relationships where you can actually be human, try to share those things with people and, you know, men should hug each other more and, oh man, like men should just tell each other they love themselves more. Men should, men should just try to be more human. And for me, I think, you know, women don't have a problem going to therapy, you know, I, why? Because they, they find it's okay to seek for help. They find it's okay to be weak, you know, and they, I mean, think about it. The Bible calls them the weaker vessel. Let's just, just. There's a whole lot to this, man. But I think, I think that that's where it starts. Just, yeah. just be human. I find it so powerful to, to really get back to that because that's who we are. Um, I, I always think about animals like the goats. The goat does not like the baby goat because the baby goat can eat grass or can jump or can fly. It's just a baby goat. Like you're a goat and I'm a goat and I love you. Yeah. That's all. You know, wow. it's just, just, just go back to that. That's that's what I think would would help us. But hey, what do I know? Wow, <laughs> you know that that is that is really amazing. And obviously, you know, creating safe spaces for people to be able to talk is so crucial. Um, and I think that is that is definitely lacking in terms of the male in terms of the male space. So, you know, just even using Taboo Doctor as an example, about 65 to 75% of the guests that we've had on, on over 40 episodes have been women. Um, and Follow us too. <laughs> so, you know, and, um, and so women are more willing to talk about things that are complicated. So, you know, women are sharing their stories of infertility, child loss, postnatal depression. You know, a few hours before this recording, I just recorded one with a lady sharing her story of, you know, surviving domestic violence and leaving an abusive husband. And so women are, have, have been socialized into talking about what is going on. And I think that ability to do so, to be vulnerable, um, enables them to heal and to be able to then start the process of healing, regardless of how slow it is. But once you open the door to healing, then you know that you are moving in the right direction. So how can we encourage men to do the same? And maybe from men, because as you said earlier, it's less likely to be received from a female. Um, but how, how do we then encourage more men to, to themselves be vulnerable and open and then to open up safe spaces for other men to come and start receiving healing? I, I think that for me, it would be two things. For any man who has discovered that part of himself, 
to share it more. Yeah. Um, to share it in the sense that, you know, you talk to your other men and <clears throat> which I think is one of the reasons why I started my page to just kind of share that and be like, look, it is amazing to be human. It is amazing to, to feel the full range of your emotions. And, um, the other part for me, I think would be to model it to, 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 because, um, like I talk about my son, he's a crier, you know, he cries a lot more than his sister. He's always, um, you know, upset about things and he would just go straight to tears and, Nah, you know, let him do that. That's a conscious thing. Um, because, you know, we talk about well, one of the things that we talked about today was my wife is older than me. So my, my daughter's older than my son. And, you know, we, we <laughs> he was saying, he, this is what they came and said to me. They said, mommy is older than daddy and Kara is, is older than Sachi. And that, that, he was so happy about that. And he came and gave me a high five. And I was just thinking, I was like, it's actually okay. My son now knows that it's okay for his wife to be older than him. And that's not a problem, you know, because um, it's not. So we are, we are modeling that and then we're sharing. So I think that that's how, because again, many times when you share this thing with a man who hasn't experienced it, it, it does seem kind of strange. And um, they will fight. Uh, they will reject. And it, oh man, I, I've had some conversations with some people and... Yeah, it's, it's going to take a while. You know, these are core beliefs, again, that have been transferred over generations. And, you know, now there's something, things we're doing in psychology where we talk about epigenetics. Okay, so something is happening to you in real time and it's altering your brain. And after it does that, your child inherits it. So, I mean, we're talking about hundreds of years of understanding hundreds of years of seeing things a certain way hundreds of years of of of, of trying to do things a certain way and all of a sudden now we want to change it it's not really going to be that easy so i would say model and share model do you know if you're out there you you understand what this means like you know me i have my therapist i spoke to her this morning um i i i model that i share it with people i talk to my therapist um, to just make it easier for other people to say, maybe this isn't so bad. And then, you know, to, to, to share. Yeah. yeah. That's what I would say. That's amazing. And you know, the, the black African and the black American communities are so rooted in religion. Um, and you know, after NSARS, I did an episode with a clinical psychotherapist who was talking about how, you know, a lot of the generations before us seem to use religion and marriage as a safe space, as a place of comfort, as a place, as a means to survive when they were going through their own kinds of trauma as well. Um, but now we have more opportunities to do that but how can we then get our religious bodies who are still so entrenched in what our society is to then also then start becoming safe spaces for people in the reality of actual, you know, mental health? Because like you said, so, you know, some, someone might say, oh, they're feeling low, they're feeling anxiety, um, anxiety, they're suicidal and their pastor prays for them. 
but does not signpost them to a psychotherapist, does not signpost them to a doctor, does not signpost them to a counsellor, does not let them know that, you know, there's medication, there's therapy, there's so many things available. Um, but we are so focused on expecting an external power to come in and remove the struggles that we're feeling in our emotional and mental health. What would you say to that? Oh, no, I made you laugh again. <laughs> No, I'm just laughing because, like, I have my answer already. I don't know. You know, no, it's like, no. it's like, it's so, I, I, I'll give you an example. One time I had a life with a pastor. And we were talking about stuff and his members were attacking me on the live. Like, shut up. Listen, you know, it's, I'm struggling because I don't want to go into the, I don't want to go into a conversation about religion. Mm. Um, I think that that question that you asked, why are you doing what you're doing? Mm. I think that that's a personal responsibility for everyone. Mm. If I asked you that question and it was a question you could ask yourself, it would be fine. Right? If I came to you and I said, oh my God, Tell me why? Why do you do that? You'd be like, hmm, I don't know. You know, mm-hmm. let me let me go and think about it. Like, yeah. you know, I do that a lot, right? Mm-hmm. But then there's a way I ask you, and you'd be like, what do you mean? Mm-hmm. You know, why, why, why are you asking me that? Um, so I don't know, man. It's it's difficult. It's truly difficult. You know, you talked about how the black community sort. You know, these are histories that people need to understand because this is true. We, we, we suffered. We, look, black people have suffered. Black people have gone through a lot. And we needed something. We needed something. And, and I think that we, we really embraced religion and, you know, I'm just being careful. I'm being careful because um, I think that religion is very important. I think that I truly believe that there are people who will break down if they didn't have religion. Mm. I truly believe that there are people who would, you know, the WHO defines mental health as as a state of well-being mm. where you can successfully adapt to the stresses of life. I, I always find that so interesting. Successfully adapting to the stresses of life. That is what I think religion does for people. It helps adapt to the stresses of life. There are people, look, it is better for someone to say, I don't have money right now, but God can bless me 20, 30 years from now. That keeps them going. Yeah. They go every day. If that person maybe truly understood their situation and thought there's no hope, what is there to live for? Wow. That's true. I have, so I have, I have seen people, you know, who have lived years. They just, that there's a hope, there's a belief, there's a faith. And that's why it's a faith. 
right? That's why it's a faith and it's so strong. So it's really helpful for some people. So when I say I don't know, mm. I want you to know that my struggle is really about, I don't know where to draw the line between challenging people mm. on the things they believe about their faith that I also know mm. is helpful. Mm. Wow. Wow. To their mental health. So wow. that's a struggle for me. Wow. That's wow. a struggle for me. Wow. So if you ask me, <laughs> then once you talk about pastors, I'm, I don't know. I mean, maybe one of the solutions I'm thinking could be that more pastors should get an education, you know, about mental health. Yeah. Because maybe they should understand that um, there's spiritual health, there's mental health, there's emotional health, you know, there's financial health. You know, I have someone now who advises me financially. This yeah. is, these are, there's things we don't know, you know. It's like there's experts in this field. So, yes, maybe we should have the church dedicate a huge amount of the, the, the church money to pay a, a resident wow. psychiatrist, a resident psychologist, a resident counselor who can help the people to navigate. The pastor, you know, he takes himself out of that. Pray for the people, lead them spiritually, help them with their faith, but leave the experts to handle. Wow. But again, we still have pastors who a woman is pregnant and having preeclampsia and they still say bring her to the church. Mm -hmm. You know, there's even when it comes to physical health, there's still pastors that are struggling with the doctor. You know, I was hearing a testimony the other day of somebody that said, I don't want to go there. But you're right. You, you, you know, you, you are right. And, um, yeah, we do have we do have those issues, and you know, quite a lot of what we've talked about on Taboo Doctor has also been relating to maternal health and the fact that you know black females have really poor maternal health outcomes in the UK, in the US, and then also talking to people based in Nigeria about reasons that women have black um um women in Nigeria have poor health outcomes there as well, and talking about this thing about having a cesarean section being a a, a thing of the devil and not being. A natural birth so you know we did an entire episode with a midwife asking what is a, a natural childbirth so you know so these are these are things that I, I continue trying to try to challenge on a regular basis so I recognize I recognize your frustration in 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 that in that situation definitely like where do you begin where do you where do you begin I have had a client who just gave birth to a bouncing baby girl beautiful just just lovely looking child and got into the room and she's crying why are you crying her, her mother-in-law storms out that she had a cesarean section wow wow so there's a rejection of the mother there's a rejection of the baby there's and i can't even blame mama i can't mm. i can't it's not her fault. That's all she knows. She knows. Wow. That's wow. all she knows. And, and wow. it's so, it, you know, it's like, where do you begin to challenge that? Like, well, well, how do you do that? Because there's certain aspects. And, and this is the thing. How are you going to challenge certain aspects of the Bible and leave out the rest? Wow. This is where you're going to find, this is where you're going to find people struggle. I think for most people, for people like me, there's like, I, I'm, I'm just like, okay, there's parts that I follow and there's parts that I'm like, nah, -uh, not, mm -mm, not me. And I'm able to do that. But for some people, it's a, it's whole or nothing. Yeah. They either, if you question a part of the Bible and they accept it, that means all of the Bible is just, mm, wow. they have to cancel it. So they can't do that. They can't. So whenever you bring up these issues, it's like, 
yeah, yeah. I had a life with someone the other day. I don't know how much time we have. Can I say this? Yes, yes, please. I had a life with someone the other day. And I don't know if you, 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 know, you connect to this, but I was telling her that in my marriage, it's a partnership, that I'm not the head of nothing. Mm. And she was saying that, no, the man is the head of the home. But then she kept going back to the passage of the Bible that says, submit yourself one to another. And I was trying to ask her, I said, don't you see your struggle? You're saying the man is the head, but you also say submit one to another because you also want him to submit to you. And that's who, so do you see that that's what you want? Do you actually recognize? But it's just that you don't want to question that part of the Bible that says the man is the head because to you, it's like questioning authority. And I, I was like, I get it. But do you, the, the mere fact that you're quoting submit yourselves one to another tells me that you also want that. That appeals to you. You see that you would like to be in a relationship where there's a submission to each other. But you want that, then you also want him to be the head. So it's kind of confusing to me. But that's the struggle. That's the struggle. It's a huge, huge it, it is. It is. And you know, it's really interesting that you just talked about um, partnership with, with a female partner, with men. How can female partners then make home or their relationship a safe space because sometimes the pressure that some men feel to continue this performance has also been put on them by their female partners because you know she wants a certain kind of lifestyle she wants the children to go to a certain kind of school she wants to live in a certain kind of household she wants to wear you know this asteroid be you know this frequent number of times every year how can women make without going into this subservient idea that our culture has also fed into but how can we also then say okay this is a safe space and you don't have to feel that you have to perform even within the confines of the relationship let me be honest with you mm. i believe that i see our conditioning and all our trauma as a raging fire that's mm. coming after us. And I think that for all these generations, we've been running from the fire. I think that we're going to need some people to stand in the gap mm. and put out the fire. The thing about putting out a fire is sometimes you could get burnt. Why am I saying this? There are many marriages that shouldn't be wow. today. There are many children who should not be living in the same home with their parents. There are many... You get, you get the message. There are, there are certain places that we have to break up right now to create that better future. And that's going to be hard. That is going to be hard because that is what breaking the cycle means. You may not expect because we have to think about how our conditioning affects us. These are unconscious things. You know, you, you, you find people are seeking out their spouses and they're being directed by their trauma bonds. I mean, I had a celebrity the other day say, when her relationship is peaceful, she gets bothered. 
So she has to do something to create some chaos. And it was so powerful. I'm like, oh, I wish she understood what she just said. Because You're so used to toxicity. Yes. There's a, and you know, our bodies get used to that. So even though you record, you know, that girl, if I was speaking to her, I'm sure she hates it when there's conflict. But without conflict, she also feels uncomfortable. So there's a part of you that recognizes that this conflict isn't so great. But when it's not there, you feel weird because you have been used to it for so long. So, you know, it's like you you, you, know, you hear people say, yeah, 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 we love makeup sex when we fight and punch each other. And, you know, all those dynamics and people are used to it. So you literally need someone to say enough. And stand in the gap for the rest so that the rest can begin to observe can observe healthy and I just think that I just think that's where the struggle is I think that that's where the struggle is wow wow wow, wow. and what about the this fear of um, using you know taking medication or antidepressants anti-anxiety medication or engaging with therapists i mean it, it probably still goes back into this thing of being seen as weak and feeling that you should be able to care for your own for your own health but what would you say to people who felt that okay no that they, they, they'd draw the line at a certain a certain thing and wouldn't engage in that kind of that kind of um, service if available you know, it's interesting that even though we're talking about black men, there's a lot of collectivist cultures that actually see mental health as a, you know, the other day I was reading about, because right now I'm actually doing cultural diversity, um, you know, like the, the Iranian culture, the, there's some Asian cultures. If you're sick, if you, you know, I was talking to someone, uh, a therapist from Brazil the other day, and she was saying, no, there's only sane and crazy. So if you do anything that has to do with mental health, you're crazy. So just stay on the side if you want to be okay. So, you know, there's, we're not the only ones. And I think that I think that again, we need to stop, you know, this, when we're having that conversation around culture these days, there's something we call an ableist culture. It's like, even there's, there's a way we see people that cannot perform. There's a way we see people that cannot perform. So, if I, you know, you know, this even all connects with being vulnerable in relationships. And you, you hear people say, this man isn't soft. This person isn't emotional. This person, because he has to be strong all the time. But anyways, um, I just wanted to say that needing help, what I would say to that person is needing help is human. Yeah. You see, needing help is human. And the reason I say that is because I was watching a video the other day about someone who's disabled and, you know, she was just saying that sometimes when she goes into the coffee shop, she says, oh, could you help me get the cup? Could you help me do that? Could you help me do that? And that there's a way people look at her. And she was saying, but human beings who are not even disabled ask for help every day and that was just so I, I don't know that just kind of gave me a different perspective like we actually don't live in isolation mm -hmm. you were able to have this podcast because we're, we're helping each other this the questions you're asking are helping me think 
the question, the converse, you know, it, it's like, we. this is what we're always doing. And for some reason, we look at disabled people different. Mm. So I guess for me, it's just needing to take medication doesn't make you look weak. Yeah. Needing, I don't know if you see what's happening in the US, Donald Trump mm. did his possible best to show that COVID did not bring him down. Mm. Why? Because it will make him look weak. Mm. I'm the president. I'm the man. I can't be sick. Because if I'm sick, you know, every time he was in the hospital, he wanted to drive out. He wanted to have that speech. He was coughing. <laughs> really, really bad cough. And he wanted to still perform. So being weak is human. Needing help is human. It's, it's who you are. And even though the society has told you differently, they're lying. You know, they are lying. Donald Trump is a human being. He's not a goat. He's not a sheep. He's the president, but it's a role. But what he is, is human. And if we remember that, I think all these things, medication, you know, if you need it, if you need it, you take it. It's like, oh, I need this. I'm in pain. I'm suffering. I'm just, it's... And finally, I think what, what I think this also connects to is remembering that we are human would allow us to embrace the full range mm. of what it means to be human. Wow. I was talking to my mother-in-law the other day and, you know, I was saying, you know, one could die any day and she said, God forbid. And I said, I don't understand what you mean by that. And she was shocked. If I said someone was going to give birth, you wouldn't say God forbid, but when we say someone is going to die, you say God forbid, but this is like a reality of mm. life. Yeah. Do you know how many people die every day? Like, what do you think? What is your expectation that the people you care about will not die, but other people's relatives will die? And, and you know, the, there's that conversation when there's accidents. Oh, God saved me. What about the people that died? Mm. Like, wow. how about them? They have brothers like you. They have sisters. So there's, you know... <laughs> It will allow us, if you remember that you're human, then you remember that you can die at any time. That's just what being human means. Wow. It means that you experience joy sometimes. It means you experience peace sometimes. It means you experience suffering. It mm. means you have pain. It means you hurt yourself. It means you will fall. Then maybe you won't be so blamey, blamey. You know, if somebody has an accident, you won't be like, why didn't you leave by? Because you, you, it's like, oh, that's the human experience. When people drive cars, they are at risk of having accidents. Yes, you hope that it won't happen to you, but it is a part of it. Mm. It is what comes with being human and existing on this earth. Mm. So if, if we do that, then we're able to like just be like, oh, you know, it's, it's, it's just it's part of life. Mm. And then maybe, maybe we can move on and, and get, you know, because the more you live, your pain is not going to last forever. You will experience joy. You will experience peace. It's just a part of the living experience. And there's no Christian in the world that will tell me they've never lost someone dear to them. There's no Christian that will tell me they've never been in pain. There's no Christian that will tell me they've never been sick. So why do we keep pushing that narrative? Yeah. When, when Christians and Muslims and atheists and, and, and everybody, they get sick, they get died. They get, we, we, we experience everything. Yeah. So yeah. why do we think that we won't? Or why do we run away from it? 
that, that that is amazing you know you know the human experience is common to everybody and um we we just need to start to empathize and sympathize with with one another and recognize recognize that as well that that has been so amazing so as we're rounding up now what would you like men to know about their mental health what what is the most important thing that you want them to remember about their mental health i would like a man to know that He's human. Mm. I would like him to know that it is beautiful mm. to be human. Mm. I would like him to know that he deserves mm. to be loved. Mm. He deserves to be cared for. He deserves to be seen. He deserves to be heard. Um, I would like a man to know that it is okay to be weak because that's what human beings do. I would also like a man to know that there is a unique relationship that can be had with other human beings. And I'm not talking about marriage. I'm not talking about being in the house and paying your bills together and having the same bank accounts and 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 buying houses and going into business and having kids and raising them and being a father no 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 i'm talking about connecting with another human being mm-hmm. i always tell people that i don't think i have a definition of soulmates i think that because we live in a world that causes us to be so performative we forget who we are Mm. and i think that having a soulmate is not something that you find it's something that you get to achieve in the context of a relationship Mm. so the way i see it is you get into a relationship with this person both of you create a super safe space for you to become who you are. Mm. And I think that the soul is the, is the essence of who we are. And, you know, you could be bedmates, you could be housemates, you could be money mates, but in order for you to be soulmates, I think that you have to be so safe with each other that you can show me who you are and I can show you who I am. You know, it's almost like I'm reaching into you and i'm saying soul come Mm. let's commune let's talk let's relate let's connect all the other stuff it's performative all the other stuff i mean think about it if we were living in a garden that had food and water and what would we be doing like we go to work eight hours a day some of us 12 hours a day like if you didn't have to work if the food was available in the forest, in the just pluck the thing and eat it. If you didn't have to do all of that to work, to what would we do? We would be connecting. You see, this is who we are. We're human, and I would just like a man to remember that because it's really beautiful to connect with another human being, and it's there's a relationship to be had. There's there's something there that transcends beyond all the other stuff where you can you can feel a desire to go back home 
you can feel it when when you're out of the house you actually feel like it's not the world that becomes your safety it's home because when you're out there in the world the world just seems so strange to you and it's like no i just need to go back home that can be hard you know you you can have that relationship and i i really hope that um that more men would 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 get to experience that that is amazing thank you so much for joining us on today's episode where can our listeners find you online uh facebook and instagram i guess at the waking human um yeah that's 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 me the waking human that is fantastic thank you so much that has been so enlightening and such an interesting reflective conversation about how we all carry trauma um, it's, been, yeah. it's been really great thank you thank you Thank you for having me. Thank you. And so health champions, there it is. Such a reflective and powerful conversation with Dr. Iwa. Remember in all your relationships, regardless of your gender, that the impact of your trauma can affect your relationships. The stress that you carry on a daily basis can manifest itself in physical and mental illness and that you do deserve good fulfilling healthy and happy relationships so do take the time to do the work talk to a therapist or a certified counselor so that you can have the healing that you desire in fruitful and wholesome relationships do show dr iwa some love online at the waking human on instagram and send us any questions or queries that you may have at hello at taboodoctor.com we really do want to hear from you and also any suggestions of any guests that you want us to speak to until next time remember to remain a health champion wherever you go